0: So why are we here? I, you know, I know that even with that opening, depending upon where you are politically, you might be a shutdown right now. But I want to challenge you to listen carefully today, to listen very carefully. Because last week we began this message series called The Call to Discipleship. The Call to Discipleship. This is why we're here. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll remember that just before he left, he left us with this command given from, you'll see it written in Matthew 28. Jesus said, all authority, all authority, all authority, every human authority, all authority ultimately belongs to him, he says. It's mine. And then in light of that, therefore, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, the disciples. So last week we had baptisms, and we rejoiced in that new life. These are those who have declared, I am a disciple of Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, not just what I have commanded, but teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He says, yeah, this is a supernatural task that... You can't fulfill in and of your own strength. So he says, surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I will be with you. So you have a a supernatural empowerment. And and last week we began uh, with really what is the first statement of our mission statement, which is taking the Great Commission and and putting it into language that I'm hoping will be memorable. It's in loving God. That's the first, that's the starting point. We, we, We need to love God. And I spoke last weekend from Matthew 22, where, where Jesus is being challenged as to which is the greatest commandment. Because remember, it says, teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you. So which is the greatest? And his reply was, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Says all, he says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And then the second one is just like it. Love your neighbors yourself. It says all the law, all the prophets, everything hangs on these two commandments, love God and love people, which is one of the reasons I don't like politics, because it's all about me uh, sort of very self-righteously putting down you because you disagree with my politics. And, And for the believer, we are called to love people, period. That, by the way, is sometimes referred to as the great commandment, so uh, the great commission is what jesus left us with and and last week we started with the great commandment and i would put it to each of you that the a very great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment will make us into a great church and today i want to continue this series and i want to talk about uh, what we have uh, worded as our second sta- statement in our mission which fit- fits the great commission which is living connected. I'm going to be speaking this morning from uh, Romans 12, uh, 1 through 16, but I'm going to be reading the first five verses. If you're able, please stand for the, the reading of God's Word. The Word of the Lord, Romans 12, beginning at verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. The Word of the Lord. Father, we give you thanks for your Word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is transformative. I pray, Father God, that your word would be preached this morning with the Spirit's power. Descend upon this fallen vessel, I pray, Lord God. I pray my words, Lord, would be your words. I pray, God, for uh, each of us to be receptive to what you are saying. Lord, if I, as I pray so many times, if there's something I say that is foolish, that, Lord, it would go in one ear and out the other. But, Lord, if this is from you, God, that you'd use it to deepen our conviction to be disciples, to follow you. I pray, God, for that person who may still be seeking to understand what biblical Christianity looks like. Uh, Lord, there are a lot of, uh, I would argue, counterfeits out there. But I pray, God, Lord, this pure gospel would be preached clearly, the good news I pray, God, that there would not be one person that is listening that would not say, I want Jesus, and I want to follow him. Uh, Speak now through your servant, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Paul, who wrote this letter to the church in Rome, is again writing... Uh, in his own place of incarceration. Paul, as most of you are aware, if you've been in this church for any length of time, was uh, one of the greatest missionaries there was. In the early church, he established many of the churches that he's now writing letters to. And so when you see the name Romans, he's writing to the church in Rome. Uh, This was a letter to be circulated. Uh, Paul, at one point, was was, uh, adamantly opposing the church. He was persecuting the church. He came to a dramatic conversion, came to know the Lord Jesus Christ very clearly. And after a period of time of just really uh, being away with the Lord, began writing these letters. Uh, he was affirmed by others who had been with Jesus. So, and so he writes as an apostle, one who has seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he saw him in his resurrected state. He saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. And now he writes to the church And these letters today are for us to be encouraged. To learn what it means to follow the Lord more and more clearly. So he says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters. And uh, you know that that term, brothers and sisters, speaks again to family. It's one of the most beautiful metaphors for Christians. That we are the family of believers. We belong to one another. In view of God's mercy... And we know that mercy uh, is the flip side of grace. Mercy is when we don't receive what we deserve, which is separation from God. But God has made the way through His Son so that we now have mercy. And grace being the flip side that we now are receiving what we don't deserve, all the goodness of God. He says, in light of the mercy of God... Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is what worship is all about. This is true and proper worship. Another translation says this is your reasonable worship. If you think it through, this is what you ought to do. And as Christians, as again, we're talking about the call to discipleship, the word disciple is a term used most often in scripture for Christians. A disciple is a learner. Someone who thinks. This is why last week when, we were, when Jesus was speaking of the, the greatest commandment, is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and with your mind, that you think that we ought to be learning more and more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That we're not getting our cues from the culture, but we get our cues from God. He says that true and proper worship is giving yourself to him. This is right in sync with the great commandment. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. With everything, every part of your being. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And you've heard it said before, I'm sure, the problem with the living sacrifice is that it wants to crawl off the altar. (laughs) This is why Jesus elsewhere says that you deny yourself daily. You take up your cross daily. You put yourself to death daily. and You say, I want to live for God. I live... Not for myself or for anyone else. I live for God. This is what worship looks like. It's not just enjoying the songs and the music. That is, a, uh, that is the soul of it. That is, the, that is the heart of it. And yes, we ought to enjoy that kind of worship. But true and proper worship is when I offer myself to God. God, I'm yours. I don't hold back. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't get your cues from, as I say so often... Fox or MSNBC, that's not where we get our cues. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think clearly about what God says about these things. Then you're able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So many of us have said, God, I just want to know your will. Well, this is telling us how we learn. Anybody here saying, "Ah, what's next, God? I want to learn your will. Some of you are new graduates, and you're saying, what's next, God? Where do I go from here? You want to know God's will? Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Don't conform to the path of this world. Test and prove what His good and perfect will is. He'll show you. And then we get to verse 3. He says, for the grace, remember we talked in the very beginning, he said, uh, he, he, we're doing this in light of uh, the mercy of God. And Now he says, now by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. You see, if we are connected with one another and we are living in community and we're not isolating ourselves, we're, we're taking the time to really grow and learn from each other, we start to see people the way God does. We don't no longer look with the human eye. Listen to the words again. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. That is elsewhere. We'll see that in just a second. That there's a word for that we call conceit. But at the same time, we don't put ourselves down. And just as we view ourselves, as we interact with others, we start to understand, I don't put down another person either. I start to view people with spiritual eyes, to understand that every single human being is created in the image of God. Amen? Amen. 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 Every single human being. This is why we, we don't disparage another person. Because that person that you want to speak badly of and put down and speak of them being enemies and this and that, those people are created in the image of God. Those are people that Jesus Christ died for. Every single human being is precious in the sight of God. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But think of yourself with sober judgment. Judgment. Let me just say one more time, and I've said it, I know I've said this a million times, but the world of politics, it's a breeding ground for self-righteousness. Because I don't have to look at myself. I just have to look at the other team and how wicked and evil they are. I don't have to look at myself. I start feeling better because I can put them down. There's, there's this very strange human phenomenon that takes place. I, I think we're all prone to this, every one of us, because we're fallen. But there's something inside of us that thinks that somehow if I put down somebody, I get bigger. But if I take somebody and I start pushing them down, guess what happens? I start getting, putting myself down. I get lower and lower. It's when I start lifting up people. If I can lift them even higher than me, and I start tippy-toeing, I start pushing them, I get bigger too. So we do not think of ourselves more highly than we are. We we see ourselves with sober judgment. We start to see people like God sees people. Hey, let's look at verse 16. It it echoes this thought. Living in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. He's speaking here from the cultural perspective. There are those that people look down as being low. (laughs) And we say, no. We associate with everyone. Uh, this past week, we had so much fun with the Bible clubs. Just, I mean, let me tell you. We did, we did two Bible clubs last week, and each one is three days long. So that's six sessions, and we'll have nine more sessions this coming weekend. And Miss Jenny and I have been in every one of them. And, and let me tell you, it's so much fun and exhausting. <laughs> but, but, but one of the ways, uh, one of the illustrations that we used as we're talking about the superpowers that that God has given to his people. Three key superpowers, faith, hope, and love. And Jesus demonstrated love by getting down and washing the feet of his disciples. That was a task that was only for the lowest of the low. And Jesus said, it actually tells us before, that knowing where he came from, That is with the Father. And knowing that he was returning to me. In other words, he knew himself. He he, he knew he was greater than any other human being. He knew exactly who he was. He says, in light of that, he got down and did this. And and so who are we who are following Jesus to ever think more highly of ourselves that we ought ought to put down another person? Or, Or that I want to associate with certain people because they are this way or that way. No, he said, do not be unwilling to do that. We got to see people the way God does. Through his eyes. And yes, I know that there are those who <laughs> irk us. Just really get to us. And, but, but there's a patience that God wants to work in us. Let's go back to verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members. We've got hands and feet and fingers and toes and all of these things. And they don't have the same function. They operate dip- differently differently. My eyes are doing something different from my ears and my mouth and my... All of these things are doing things that are differently. So in Christ, though we are many, we form one body. And each member belongs to the others. We started talking about the metaphor of the family. I love that metaphor. But this is another very powerful metaphor that's used. The body of Christ. We use that term all the time. Right? Hey, you know, it's, it's great, to, great to be part of the body of Christ. That's who we are. But maybe we don't really think about the metaphor clearly. And, and what he's doing right here is try, trying to explain that to us. We, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do so diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. He's describing some of the gifts that are given to the body of Christ. This is not an exhaustive list by any means, but what he's saying is these are examples of some of the spiritual gifts that the God, the Holy Spirit, pours out on all of us who trust Him. Each of us have different gifts. And we don't all have the same gifts. We're different. We have different personalities. We have different life experiences. We we have different ways in which we, we, we see life. And God says, I have created you this way. I have given you these life experiences so that we could come together and be complete Without each other, we're incomplete. You know that, right? Yes. And just as living connected, when I'm with other people, I start to see. You know, it's easy to talk about people when I see them on social media. I don't know a thing about them, really. I, I, I do little to no interaction with people by text or by social media. I just, I, just, I just don't find it helpful. If somebody has something deep to ask of me, hey, let's get together and talk. So you can see me. So we can talk. So I can listen. So I'm not just trying to convince you of how right I am or, or have you doing the same to me and yelling at each other in caps. Right? No, let's talk. Let's, let, 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 let's, it, it's this living. When I'm with people, I can start to understand. You know, that stereotype that I had of that group of people, well, though you might associate with that group, you are an individual, so we see people as people, and then we start to recognize when I live together that we need each other. We need each other. We, we, we cannot do this by ourselves. The Christian life, it, it, it's, it's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. <laughs> You're not called to do this on your own. Now, I know that there's some of you who might be listening to our podcast or or watching online at YouTube who for perhaps you're shut in and you can't get out. And it is our job to come and meet with you because maybe you can't. But if you're doing this because I just don't want to be around people, you're missing what biblical Christianity is about. You're missing what it means to be a disciple. And I charge you guys now, if you're here, if you've been here for a little while, You've not been through our growth track yet. Uh, we're starting back up on July 10. Uh, as Sam mentioned, it, it is our membership process. But even if you decide, I don't want to be a member, but I just want to learn how to grow. One of the key things we talk about is learning your spiritual gifts. What are those gifts that you've been given And how do you participate in the life and the body of Christ so that you can give what God has given to you back? Because you know that's why you're being given gifts? Did you know that? You were given gifts to give them back. Not for you to keep to yourself. And also to receive from others. You can't do this by yourself. If you've been doing the solo thing for a while, I'm telling you you're missing out on what God has for you, which is abundance. Living connected helps us to recognize our need for each other. Let's look at verse 9. Love, the essence of the gospel, must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. I love that word devoted. You know, it it speaks of of not just simply me giving lip service, not simply me uh, giving intellectual assent to this, but a real heart burden for you. And as I look out to my church, I love my church. I love you guys. I I really do. Uh, There needs to be a devotion to one another. I, I think of Paul's letter to the Philippians and, and the devotion with which he wrote to them. And my prayer for us is that we would be that kind of church, that we are really involved in the lives of each other. But you know something, you can't really devote yourself to another person. You can't really understand what it means to, to see people the way God does and to recognize your need and to love the way God intends Unless you're with people. <laughs> There's no other way. You really can't. Living connected is what enables us to, to learn what it means to love. Now I know that you may be coming from, I know some of you at least are coming from churches where you've been hurt by people. And so you decide, I just want to stay by myself. I, 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 Pastor Brian, I like your preaching, but I don't want to do anything with it. Come on now. You can't be just a listener of the Word because then you deceive yourself, the Bible tells us. You've got to do what it says. And the Word is encouraging us more than that. It is commanding us that we live connected because it's in connection that we learn to love. And love is the essence of the gospel. That's what we learned last week. If I say I love God... I have to love people. And it's in connection that I learn to love people. I can't learn to love people if I'm not around people. I I, I, I hear you. Sometimes we don't like people. We're called to love people. There's this ongoing joke among pastors. Man, ministry would be so much fun if not for the people. (laughs) But it's all about people. That's what it is. Let me me say to you, Haven, I I, I feel very loved by you and and I feel very blessed to be the pastor of this church. But I know pastors whose congregations give them grief, give them a hard time where they just don't really want to do it. I'm I'm reading statistics now. You may have heard this, that 30 to 40 percent of pastors right now, ever since the COVID and all the division that's gone on in our culture, have said, I'm done. I want to quit. I'm done. And I'm thankful that I have no desire for that. This is my home. This is where I want to be. Because you guys have reflected that. And we are growing together as the body of Christ. And and I know that that what I'm saying to most of you right now is just reinforcing. Because you're doing this. But I want to say it again more forcefully. Live connected. You have to do it. It needs to be sincere. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Uh, you know this. It is so incredibly countercultural to honor another person above yourself because our natural tendency is. I said this at our men's group yesterday, and some of the guys were like, "I never heard that expression before." It is to navel gaze. We want to look at ourselves. We're selfish. God calls us to honor others above ourselves. And I know that if I do that well for each of you, and you do that well for me, my needs are covered, your needs are covered. I I don't have to do this. And so we've got to, by faith, say, God, I am trusting that your word is true, and your word is calling me to live connected. Your word is telling me that this is the way I learn to love the way you have intended. It happens by being with people and that with messy people, and we're all kind of messy, right? We're all kind of messy. What are some practical ways that we do this? He gives some examples in, in verse 13 and, uh, through 15. He says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Uh, my conviction is in the body of Christ, there should be no need. Amen. Amen. We ought to be caring for one another. And I know we can't meet the needs of the entire world, but we can care well for one another. So if there are needs in our church, we need to be caring for one another. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Have people over. Get a cup of coffee with people. Be welcoming you know, when I read these words, you know, I, again, it speaks to, even as I think, you know, you know, hospitality is a spiritual gift, and we don't all have every spiritual gift, but we're called to live out the Christian life no matter what. Uh, my wife does have the gift of hospitality. I'm very grateful to her for that. I'm grateful to the Lord for pouring out that gift on her. But the, the scripture is saying to me, practice hospitality. And just like not all of us have the gift of evangelism, but, the God, but God says to each one of you, share your faith. Practice hospitality. That's one of the ways we love. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Don't do what the world does. Bless people that persecute you. Again, this is incredibly countercultural. We can't do this apart from the Spirit of God living in us. Bless those who curse you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. How how are you going to rejoice with people who rejoice if you're not connected to them? How are you going to know that they're rejoicing? Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I heard it said, you know, I've gone through some tough times recently. And I've been with others who've gone through some tough times recently. I lost my mama this year. But I've also had a, a lot to rejoice in this year. I mean, I was just in Jamaica with my family. And even though we were there mourning my mother's passing, it was also rejoicing, just being with one another and celebrating our family. I, I, I heard it said that, that pain shared is half a pain. And joy shared is double joy. And that's the case. You know, there's something about carrying each other's burdens that just lessens it. When you are going through a hard time, to know if you're connected, it, 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 it is somehow in the Spirit, God lessens that pain. Now, I've known people who have been isolating themselves. And they say things like, oh, nobody cares about me. You know, and nobody checked in with me and this and that. And, and you know... If that's been you, if you've been a part of this congregation, if you've been in that space, the question I'd ask you, are you connected? Do you have people who know? Because sometimes people don't know that you're going through because you've been isolating yourself. You're going to go through hard times. Did you know that? You are going to go through hard times. Just live life just a little bit. You're going to go through some difficulties. And there's something about being connected with other Christians. It says, I can manage because I've got others who are carrying that with me. And I don't know about you, you know, but I I think oftentimes to when I was at the Grand Canyon with my bride. We've been a couple times, actually. And just sharing that together, there's something special about it. Now, on another occasion, I went to Yosemite by myself. I'll never forget this. I went up to Glacier Point, drove up, and when I came over the, the, the rim and I looked over, I literally started crying. I was like, this is like the most beautiful vista I've ever seen. But I was by myself. And everything inside me, Maria should be here with me. There's something about rejoicing with others that doubles that, you know. I mean, it was beautiful, but it would have been that much more if I had somebody to share it with. And so he's giving practicals on how you do this, how you love the way God intends you. You hurt with those who hurt you. You bear that pain. You take on some of that. You, you empathize, and then you also rejoice. Living connected, again, it helps us to see people the way God does, to recognize our need, and to love the way God intends. And let's, let's go back now to verse 11. It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. I uh, have seen oftentimes where Christians get burnt out. Why does burnout occur? Well, I'll offer you at least a couple of reasons. Uh, One, you're not doing it in the spirit. That's why it says, keep your spiritual fervor. If you start doing the same things that you were doing because God told you to do it, and he filled you with with such zeal that you're doing it in his name, but then all of a sudden you got into the, the routine of doing it over and over again, and you've forgotten why you do it, and you start doing it in the flesh, you will burn out. But the other thing is that you got to do it with people. Invite others in. So that as you're serving him, you're seeing the joy in that other person's life as well. Uh, let, me, let me caution you. Don't get with people who, who you're going to commiserate. and but, but, Oh, we're the only people doing this. you know. And then you start grumbling because you're losing your spiritual fervor again. But rather, f- remind that person. Let them remind you why you do what you do. And yes, we are called to serve. We're going to be talking about that next week. That is part of the gospel message that we're called to serve, to serve one another. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Ultimately, serving who? The Lord. That's ultimately who you're serving. Be joyful in hope. That's one of the superpowers we talked about this week. What is that idea of hope? Hope is that assurance. That God is still working and He has something great in store for you. And no matter where you are at the present moment, when you're going through the pain you're going through right now, it's hope that says, you know something, God? I can still be joyful. I don't like what I'm in right now. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. I don't like it, but it's my, that hope that has me saying it's well within my soul because I have Jesus. I know And there are others that come around us that remind us of this truth. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. As you're going through, you hang in there. You can't do this again by yourself. You'll forget. The gift God has given to you and to me is the body, the family, and faithful in prayer. I have a fairly structured prayer life. I take time to pray with God every day. And, I, and I, I yes, I do structure my prayers to make sure I'm not forgetting to pray. I pray for you guys. I try to pray for you, each of you who call Haven, your home, by name. Looking at my, our breeze, kind of try to see your face. I try to pray for each of you by name twice a week. If you're not on breeze yet, if you belong to this church, make sure that you're on breeze and you'll have images. If you forget who that person is next door to you, oh that oh that's 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 Jenny, that's Maria, that's that's Bobby. You know, we can start to remember names. Oh, that's Paul there again. <laughs> but we become faithful in prayer. Don't just pray for your own needs. It's okay to pray for your own needs and you should. But how are you gonna know what my needs are? Or the person next to you, unless you're connected to them. If you want to be faithful in prayer, you got to be with people. And so in every group that I'm a part of, yesterday we gathered gathered together as men. We have a band of brothers every other Saturday. You best believe we took time to pray for each other. Being with each other, knowing each other's needs, teaches us the faithfulness of prayer. And so living connected helps us to grow deeper. In the grace of God. It's in this space, being with with one another, that we learn more and more about how to live out this Christian life with each other to receive that grace. So we have many opportunities for us to connect. We have several life groups going on different days of the week. You can look at your bulletins. You can talk with with Sam afterwards at the welcome desk. If you've never connected to a group, try one. Try coming out and just, you don't have to commit yourself wholeheartedly day one. You can say, hey, I'm just here to just examine. So it's like all of our groups are, are, are set up that way, that you can come and get a taste, a feel for what it's like. I want to, again, ask you very boldly, church, we need several people who will be willing to give testimonies this coming weekend. There's something about a testimony that encourages the body of Christ. Now, I stand up here and I prepare messages Sunday by Sunday. I know for most of you, standing in front of people is very uncomfortable. But you give of yourself that way. I'm telling you, it, it communicates to the body of Christ in a way that, that it's, it's, it's just very powerful. That people beside you know that you're just like them. God is working in your lives. I, I want to ask you right now, just to take a moment to pray and say, God, is there something you'd have me do? Just, just listen. I'm going to pause for even a moment of quiet. And if that's you, just to write that on your communication card, and I will be in touch with you uh, tomorrow. But if you'd be willing to do that, I know that that would communicate to this body that we are connected. Let's take that moment of silence right now, and then I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I sense in the spirit that somebody's hearing your voice saying, that's me, I'm supposed to do this, but Lord, there's a human fear. Lord, we know the enemy does not want us to testify. We know that we overcome him by the word of our testimony. I pray for that person right now, Lord, that they just have the boldness to say, I will give us a testimony. I will share How? I've become more dependent on you, God. And even in writing this, I'm saying I depend on you. Lord, I pray now also for that person who is hearing this word and knows that they've never really made a commitment to Jesus, but you're inviting them to connect to the body of Christ, to be a part of this family. If that's you, pray with me, Lord Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I know I am a sinner as every single human being is. And I believe, Jesus, that when you came, you died for sin. You took punishment for human beings who have rebelled against God. But you took that punishment so that we would not have to be punished. You represented us. You are the only one qualified because you are the only sinless human to have lived. And being God, you are infinite. I thank you for dying for my sins, Jesus. I thank you for being raised from the dead. I trust you today. And by faith, I will live connected to the body of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.